0: Welcome to Question Period. I'm Evan Solomon. Today on the program, China Syndrome.
1: It is true that this is a difficult moment, and our government will continue to advocate for the Canadians who are arbitrarily detained and we will continue to seek clemency for Mr. Schellenberg.
0: China suddenly puts a Canadian on death row and is now threatening repercussions if Canada bans their big telecom company. As this diplomatic fight escalates, does Canada need to push back harder? Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne joins us on Canada's plan and then MPs will weigh in on what Canada needs to do. Then, the boot and the reboot.
2: Was very disappointed
3: with the comments uh, that the candidate had made and uh, uh, she has uh, resigned. It's not the values that our party uh, stands for.
0: After booting out a Liberal candidate in the wake of racially divisive comments, and the controversial demotion of the Justice Minister, is the Liberal cabinet reboot really ready for the next election? Nick Nanos and the Scrum will weigh in on that, plus world government. Will Max Bernier's sudden support for what are widely seen as conspiracy theories hurt his credibility as he tries to build his new party. Max Bernier joins us today to find out. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers.
4: It is of extreme concern to us as a government, as it should be to all our international friends and allies, that China has chosen to begin to uh, arbitrarily apply uh, death penalty in cases uh, uh, facing, uh, as in this case, uh, facing a Canadian.
0: A war of words has now become a life and death situation as the tensions between Canada and China escalate. You've got a Canadian on death row, two others in detention, a warning of repercussions if Canada joins its allies and blocks the Chinese telecom company Huawei from being part of our next generation wireless, the so-called 5G, and you've got that allegation of white supremacy from the Chinese ambassador. As China's threats to Canada risk becoming deadly, how should the Canadian government respond? Let's find out. Joining me now is the former Minister of International Trade, now the Infrastructure Minister, Francois Philippe Champagne. Minister Champagne, it's very good to talk to you. There's now a Canadian on death row. The Prime Minister has called this arbitrary uh, by the Chinese. Why hasn't the Prime Minister just picked up the phone and called Chinese President Xi to resolve this?
5: Well, it's, uh, first of all, it's, it's nice to be on your show. It's, it's a very serious situation. I think you've seen, Evan, that we've been engaging at very high level. Uh, we've been leading a coalition with a strong voice around the world, talking to allies and saying we all need to come together to defend human rights. We know that this is arbitrary detention. We're going to do everything that we can uh, to obviously resolve this situation. Uh, I think that... Um, we work best when we lead a coalition. I think the world should understand that what's happening now at the Canadians could happen to others. So our voice is strong, our resolve is clear, and I would say the prime minister has been engaging, and and the whole of government is engaging to make sure that our voice is heard, uh, so that. Uh, our canadians there could be released
0: okay but minister the chinese have already responded saying the chinese spokesperson for the president said canada's so-called allies you can count them on two hands so there's only ten people they've also uh, said that if canada continues to try to get allies they will consider that an escalation of tension how do you respond to that
5: Well, I mean, Evan, Canadians would expect us to be strong and resolved when it comes to defending Canadians abroad, which are being, in this case, arbitrarily detained. Uh, What we're doing is engaging at every level. Uh, we are going to be there out there to defend human rights. We are leading a coalition and we'll continue to do that because the world is watching, the world is listening, and the voice of Canada matters.
0: Let's be honest, those are just words that so far have done nothing. They've actually now arbitrarily detained two Canadians and put another on death row. You could do other things. You could throw out the Chinese ambassador from Canada. You haven't done that. The Prime Minister could call President Xi. You haven't done that. You could put sanctions on China. You haven't done that. Why has Hasn't Canada taken stronger action?
5: Well, let me tell you what we have done. Uh, Our our Canadian ambassador in China has been uh, obviously engaging with uh, the two people which are detained. Canada has been speaking loud and clear to the world and has been able to rally a coalition. Uh, We have been clear that Canada will be there to defend human rights, that we believe in the rule of law and that everyone in the world should be watching because this is about defending human rights Sorry, this but, but, is about defending minister,
0: the rule of law in the world minister you said that you're yeah. doing everything you can and our ambassador is engaging with the canadians detained you and i both know the chinese have irregular visits from our consul in china they don't have they don't have a lawyer they don't get daily visits by the ambassador i think the visits are once every I think it's once a month now. Are you saying you're actually satisfied with the representation and the treatment of the Canadians in China?
5: Listen, Evan, let me be clear. We will never be satisfied until they are released. However, what I'm saying is that we are doing everything we can at all levels of government, as a whole of government, to defend Canadians abroad. Canadians understand that. We have always been doing that. We are doing it. We are engaging with our ambassador. Minister Freeland has been building a coalition, leading a coalition of the world of people who believe okay. in human rights and the rule of law. Our prime minister has been engaged. This is all of Canada behind these two Canadians there. Okay. We have been doing things. Okay, so we are on. going to we're going to continue to do things and
0: we're resolving doing things. Okay, but okay, you're saying that, but I, I have so far I haven't seen the solid issues. Meantime, they're threatening repercussions, repercussions if Canada does not green light Huawei, the Chinese telecom company, joining our 5G network. Now, most of our, our Five Eyes partners in security, New Zealand, Australia, the United States, they don't want to do this. They've rejected Huawei. Given what's happening here, will Canada reject Huawei from joining and being part of our 5G next generation wireless
3: backbone?
5: Well, the first thing I would say is Canada is open for business. Obviously, we welcome investment. Uh, People understand that Canada stands for stability, predictability, rule of law. Uh, Our rules are clear. Now, what I would say in respect of this particular situation is that the filter we're going to be applying is one of national security.
0: But the, the Chinese just said, I just want a direct response. The Chinese said, if you don't let Huawei in our 5G, there'll be repercussions. How do you interpret that?
5: Listen, we're not going to be driven by comments or Remarks by others. We're going to do what's right for Canada. We're going to do what's right for canadian We're going to do what's right for national security. We're going to continue to be welcoming investment. We're going to be continuing to provide stability, predictability, and a rule of law environment in our country. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we're going to apply a national security filter. Okay, so but- this is going to be our priority and we're gonna look at it in due course
0: let's talk about free trade your government when you were elected you wanted to pursue a free trade deal with china yes or no is your government still interested in pursuing a free trade deal with china given what's happened or are you no longer pursuing that we're always
5: opening uh free trade agreements as you know today canada has access to about on a preferential basis to 1.5 billion consumers in the world whether it's in the United States, whether it's in Europe, Asia-Pacific, with the new CPTPP. So we're always looking at opening up market. We know that Canada is at the center of free trade in the G7. We're the only country in the G7 to have a free trade agreement with all other uh, G7 nations. And I'm saying to you that we will always be looking at opening up markets for Canadians because we know that this is a way to ensure current and future prosperity.
0: But, Minister... To be candid, our ambassador to China has already said that we're no longer pursuing that. I just You're the former minister of international trade. Are you saying that we'd still be interested in pursuing a free trade deal with China? When you, The prime minister has said the Chinese government is arbitrarily detaining Canadians. You're still saying we're open to a free trade deal. Why would we be open for a free trade deal if saying, you don't trust their legal saying, system? What I'm saying,
5: Evan, what I'm saying... Canadians understand very well what I'm saying. I'm saying we're always going to be opening up trade for Canadians. What, however, that being said, uh, we will always consider what's in our national interest in doing that. You have to look at, so at the relationship between states when be it comes to trade over trade decades. With China. So I would say that Canada today has access to 1.5 billion consumers around the world. This is in the interest of our SMEs across uh, the country and we will always consider uh, agreements that can open up markets for Canadians.
0: All right, I gotta leave it there. Minister Champagne, always good to have you on the program. Sir, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure, Evan.
6: I think we have to engage the senior Chinese leaders and persuade them that what they're doing is not good for China's image in the world.
0: So the government is warning Canadians to take caution when visiting China after a Canadian suddenly found himself on death row. Robert Schellenberg was convicted of attempting to smuggle drugs from China to Australia, sentenced to 15 years in prison originally. But a few weeks after the arrest of Huawei's top executive, Meng Wanzhou, in Canada, prosecutors in China suddenly appealed the ruling. And after a speedy second trial, he now faces the death penalty. Is this a politically motivated decision, as the foreign affairs minister says? And with this, does Canada now need to take a tougher stance with China? I want to bring in MPs now. With me in studio, Mona Force is the Liberal MP uh, for Ontario. Uh, Aaron O'Toole is a Conservative foreign affairs critic. Nathan Cullen is the NDP MP. He is from British Columbia, uh, but in Toronto right now. Great to have all of you here. Aaron O'Toole, let me start with you. Great to be here. This is escalating very quickly. Uh, does the Prime Minister have to take a tougher stance with China now?
7: Absolutely. The Prime Minister at least needs to get involved. Uh, he was aware of the situation before the original arrest of a Chinese uh, citizen. He now appears to be waiting until he can have a photo op that, a photo op that makes it look like, like he's had success. He's not willing to be a leader to actually insert himself. But
0: to do what? Like, where, what do you want him to do exactly?
7: Well, they're calling 20, 30 other countries, Evan but not calling the one country detaining Canadians. They won't even say that these arrests are retaliation, although they're calling other countries trying to enlist them on their side. The Prime Minister needs to have a frank talk with President Xi and say, we have rule of law in Canada, we can assure you fair treatment of your citizen, we need to ensure our Canadian citizens are treated fairly and released.
0: Okay, Nathan Cullen, there's words. Is it time for Canada, for example, to kick out the Chinese ambassador? Does Canada need to take a stronger action?
8: Well, I think the conversation that Aaron just spoke about is now overdue. This is literally a life-and-death situation for a Canadian. China has been trying to make a bid to the world that you can trade with us and democracy and human rights will improve. And in making that bid, are showing themselves to be autocratic and unwilling to participate and have an actual conversation. But we do need our prime minister to step up Talk to his counterpart in China to say the road you're going down is incredibly dangerous. It's lethal for this individual, but it is also incredibly dangerous for China's reputation around the world.
0: Okay, so why not? Why not pick up the phone and call President Xi? At least say, now that we've got a Canadian on death row, why isn't he doing that?
1: So our, our goal right now is to bring these Canadians back home safe and sound. That is what we're working on. And Minister Freeland and even the Prime Minister are working closely with the allies to find that solution to but bring them not? back but, but the home. Is, so this is what we're focusing on.
0: I know, but working with the allies, what about China? China's got the key to the jail cells. Why not phone President Xi?
1: Again, I think it's important that we focus on working with our allies and the prime minister and minister freeland are working together to get those steps and those canadians back okay home. okay i, I
0: don't i'd be to be as fair as i don't know happen. what that means hundred percent but can you just tell me what your government's response is to the chinese ambassadors threats there'll be repercussions if we enlist allies there'll be repercussions if we don't let huawei join our next generation wireless what's the specific response to threats from china
1: I won't uh, start uh, putting any uh, explanation on that part because I, it's a very high sensitive issue and the focus is really on trying to get those Kenyans back home. I know that the ambassador was in committee, uh, in camera committee, to share some information with the um, members of parliament part of that committee and uh, he was clear in his... Uh, uh, interview of that everything that we're doing is right now to bring these Canadians. Uh, Do you buy that? There
7: were were no answers Evan. In fact there's more questions. The one thing that is clear, there's never been a plan. The Prime Minister was advised ahead of the arrest of the Chinese citizen because of the political sensitivities. They knew it's unusual for a Prime Minister to get a briefing before an arrest like that. They had no plan then and they have no plan now. And Minister McCallum said the Prime Minister is the last arrow in the quiver it seems they only want to pull that arrow out when all all things are good so that he can look good. But leadership means taking an active role to fight for those citizens' rights and to take a role improving the relationship because there's hundreds of thousands of Canadians in China working, living in Hong Kong and thousands of families have questions and they're, they're really but worried there's no answers.
0: Nathan Cullen, I'm trying to get at what... You know, the Chinese are are not mincing words. If Christian Freeland goes to Davos and tries to enlist support, they say that will escalate tensions. If we don't let Huawei join the 5G, there's going to be repercussions. What do you make of these? They're very openly and unabashedly threatening Canada.
8: Well, that's the word you just said right there. These are threats. These are open public threats. If you have the audacity to go and talk to your allies about one of your citizens on death row in China, and we know the so-called... Chinese uh, justice system is anything but just. And if we have the audacity, to, as our other allies have done, to look at Huawei, this company in particular, and say they present a national security threat if we allow them to be the backbone of our 5G mobile network. And the idea that China can just make these threats publicly to the Canadian government And Mr. Trudeau doesn't phone up his counterpart in China and say, if you're looking to trade with the world, stop it. And if you want to gain some favor and some understanding between our two different countries, then you have to not execute this Canadian.
0: I, I understand you want to release the Canadians. It's sensitive. But in the meantime, does it look like Canada's being weak? We're being dictated to what we can and can't do. We're being threatened, and there's very little response. Even China's mocking Canada's attempt to get allies. The spokesperson for President Xi said Canada has so-called allies that you can count on ten fingers. What is the Canadian government's response?
1: So Canada believes in rule of law and due process, and the steps that we are taking with the Prime Minister and minister freeland and the allies and also working with the parties because we really want to make sure that our canadians are safe but we that okay, so that's okay, what we're okay doing. I,
0: let me just ask you if there are steps outside you're not follow, phoning the president will you are you going to kick out the chinese ambassador is that an option
1: I couldn't comment on that at this time. I think we're looking at all of our options. It's important that we remind ourselves that we don't want to jeopardize anything. So we Th- are taking why, everything This is why the into- Prime Minister
7: is not acting, Evan. Is He set as one of the goals of his foreign policy in his four years in government a free trade agreement with China. That's no, not only in shambles now. The relationship with that country is at risk and Canadian citizens are being drawn into a dispute that our own prime minister is not even willing to try and help us out. And your, resolve. Party,
0: your party would say no free trade deal now with China?
7: Absolutely not. Okay. Under the certain circumstances we're seeing now, right. we have to be strong, and we the Chinese will actually respect <laughs> us being stronger.
0: Okay. Uh, I, I, last word to you, Nathan Cullen. Would the NDP also now take any kind of free trade deal with China off the table, or do we have to take... Outside of calling President Xi, is there any immediate right. action we could take?
8: The the great offer Canada made to China was this trade deal option, because that then qualifies, it sanctifies China's trade policies, their own domestic policies, because the world would say, oh, look, Canada signed a free trade deal with China, they might be okay to deal with. All of these actions, the threats, the arrest, the putting a Canadian on death row, speak to the reality of of Chinese policy right now with President Xi. And the fact that Trudeau stepped in, offered this up, without the concessions that we were going to need and the assurances that Canadians are going to need in dealing with China speaks to me of a naivety that is worrisome coming from this government.
0: All right, I've got to leave it there. Uh, Monia Forche, Aaron O'Toole, Nathan Collins, thanks Thank a you lot you for much being for here. appreciate us. that. The two faces of Max. On one hand, the People's Party leader, Max Bernier, is fighting to build pipelines. He wants to get rid of supply management. He wants to change the equalization formula. He's trying to put his new party on the map. On the other side, he's beating the Twitter drum about global government that will, in his words, destroy Canada. So as he gets ready to put candidates in his first by-elections next month, just what kind of party is Max Bernier leading? Let's find out. Max Brigny joins us right now. Mr. Bernier, always good to have you on the program. Um, I know you've got uh, ideas on pipelines and immigration, and we'll we'll get to that. But I've got to ask you first, and I'm following you on Twitter. Why have you embraced and supported this idea that Canada could be destroyed, your term, by what you call global government?
9: What I said was very clear and based on facts. In 2010, uh, Justin Trudeau, Member of Parliament, uh, promoted a campaign by the UN, the UNPA website, to create a world parliament that will have legislation and laws that are binding for countries. So the question is very legitimate, to ask Justin Trudeau if he still believes That we must have a world parliament like maybe the uh, European Parliament that will make laws that will apply
0: to Canada. So I think that's a legitimate question. Okay, but but that's not, if you want to ask a legitimate question, but here's my my concern. You tweeted in capital letters Is he, Justin Trudeau, loyal to Canada or loyal to a future world government that will destroy Canada? You know. This kind of world government is often associated, in your own words, with paranoid, conspiracy-minded, anti-globalist, that this is a, I understand he actually signed this, I've gone to the website and I've read it, but you and I both know the chances of this happening are next to nothing. Why are you using this to get attention? Is it a sign of desperation? (laughs)
9: <laughs> no, absolutely not, because the question it is not if that parliament will happen in 10 years or 20 years from now. The question is, we have a prime minister in office right now that believes in a world parliament, and he is making decision with that belief.
0: But Maxime Bernier, why are you aligning? You know the fellow travelers with this kind of stuff. You know the people that peddle this kind of stuff. It's marginalized stuff. We've got real issues happening now. I, you know, i know you for th- a long time. Doesn't this make you look like a desperate person reaching for extreme views? so you can get some attention. Doesn't it undermine your credibility?
9: Absolutely not. You know, I'm speaking about real stuff, like you said, real policies, and I'm the only politician politician to speak about that. And it's a legitimate question to ask, and I want
0: to know if he's still believing that. So that's it. Okay. Let me talk about some issues because you're you're trying to put your party yeah. on the map. China, when you ran for the leadership of the Conservative Party, you really wanted free trade with China. Meantime, China is now threatening Canada. They've used words like white supremacy. Do you still advocate free trade with China?
9: No, I know. No, I don't. No, I, don't. You know, I changed my idea about that with everything that is happening recently. I think it is not important to have a free trade agreement with China. It is not a priority, and I'm not for that right now. And I don't see a future uh, free trade with China. I think the most important is to work with our allies and developing a very good relationship with the U.S. and our allies. And you know what China they're doing right now, their they're dictatorship and we know that so uh, the, the most important thing So what do you do so what do we do what does Trudeau need to do with
0: other countries What does Sorry? Trudeau need to do does he kick out the chinese ambassador now does Trudeau what does he do right now
9: but I must admit that up to now, I think the Trudeau government did the right thing on that subject. And, you know, we uh, must try to have diplomatic relationship. But when uh, the uh, the uh, ambassador is insulting us, I think we must respond to that. You know, it's <laughs> it's not true that we are white supremacists in Canada. It's uh, very crazy to say that. And so I think we must be—we uh, we must— tell the truth to the the Chinese uh, diplomats in Ottawa.
0: You've got three by-elections coming up, and people are still trying to figure out what kind of party you are. In Burnaby South, where you have a candidate running against uh, Jugmeet Singh, the NDP leader, your candidate is a woman named Laura Lynn Tyler-Thompson. She's been openly yes. teaching about sexual orientation and gender identity in schools, saying that the teaching about that is bad. She thinks it's gender-fluid ideology. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you support yes. a yes. campaign about teaching against sexual orientation?
9: First of all, you, you must have the facts right. She did a campaign, and she was against that the state, the provincial parliament, teach to young children that maybe they're not a boy if they're a boy and if they're a girl maybe they're not a girl she's against that that's what she said and that's what she believes and she has the right of her belief and i said that publicly and i'm very very proud of her as a candidate it's a provincial matters and me as the federal politician uh, well, what's, want, your, want, what's your uh, what's your
0: view in the party i'm just trying to figure out do you believe she thinks uh being transgender she says tra- it's it's called gender fluid ideology i'm using her words Are, would you use that yes. word yeah but for me she has her own point of view and you know i but respect that it's your that. party it's, it's not maxim it's your party she's representing yeah, you yeah and
9: but the most important the most important, is she agrees with our party, with our platform, with our bold reform that we want to do more freedom, less government, lower taxes, a balanced budget, fewer immigrants. She agrees with that, and she will fight for that if she elected. Okay, so, so let me important. just ask you,
0: if you agree with those, if that's your party platform, and you have different views on transgender or same-sex people, uh, couples, uh, and the views that is anything goes on the social conservative agenda for you
9: like i said you know it's not part of our agenda Gay marriage, uh, 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 these social issues are not part of the agenda of our party, but she has the right to have strong views on that. You know, we're in a free country. We have pro-life people in this country and pro-choice people in this country. And in our party, we'll have pro-life people and pro-choice people, and that's okay. But the most important, every candidate
0: will fight for our platform to be a reality. Okay, last question, because obviously there's going to be uh, lots more time to talk about this. Just a straight-up question. Do you believe in human-caused climate change? Do you believe climate change is an issue, and do you believe that humans cause climate change? Do you?
9: Okay, what I said, first of all, I know that there there is climate change. Climate change exists, first. Second, Uh, I know that uh, the CO2, it's part of the gases that create the greenhouse gases and and that create the the climate change. So I believe in that. What I said, and I will repeat that, CO2, it's a gas that is essential for life and, and, and like water. But too much CO2 with other gases create... The green uh, gas right. effects, okay, and I so, understand that. Uh, this so, is so but What, what I, I just want to finish. I, I just want to finish about it. What I said also at the federal level, we won't impose a carbon tax and we won't do anything uh, on climate change. It's a shared jurisdiction with provinces, oh. and like right now, some provinces want to do something, like my own province in Quebec, they have a cap-and-trade system to fight climate change, and other provinces, they don't want to do anything about that. Okay, so your party, your party would do work, nothing.
0: We, your party would do nothing on um, it,
9: that's the answer. On, my party will do nothing on climate change because environment, it's a shared jurisdiction, and provinces, they have program for that, and, and so I'll let provinces decide what they're going to do to fight climate change. Yes, you're right.
0: Okay. Uh, Lots more to come. I know these conversations will continue. You're facing your first by-elections with three candidates coming up in February. Max Bernier, thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it.
9: (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a nice day.
1: In all of our direct conversations with the government of China, no direct connection has been drawn between the detentions of Mr. Kovrig, of Mr. Spavor, and the trial of Mr. Schellenberg. Uh, and the detention of Ms. Ming. And certainly it would be very wrong for there to be any connection.
0: Well, Canada is jammed. Well, China threatens serious repercussions unless Canada releases the Huawei executive being held in Vancouver. By the way, she's being held in a $5 million mansion. Due to the extradition request by the United States, there's two Canadians detained in China. A third is now on death row. There's hundreds more in jail. And there's an accusation of white supremacy from the Chinese ambassador. What should Canada do? Does letting out the Huawei executive make Canada look weak? How much is this growing dispute hurting the government? To talk about all that, And to find out lots more, the Scrum is here. Tonda McCharles, senior reporter with the Toronto Star, is here. Bob Fife, the Ottawa bureau chief for the Globe and Mail, is here. Craig Oliver, CTV's chief political commentator, is here with his patented wave. Our special guest today, the former deputy prime minister and former premier of Quebec, Jean Charest, is in Montreal. And we'll start with Monsieur Charest. Great to have you back on the program. Thank you. uh, Look, the threats are growing from China, Mr. Charest. What is the way out of this dispute for Canada.
6: Well, we're in a very difficult situation, almost impossible, of having put ourselves between China and the United States. And, uh, and, and my own reading is that on the Chinese side, there is, you know, definitely overreach on this. I think uh, they are hurt uh, by the fact that Canada has made a, a plea to other countries to speak to this issue. And they are uh, speaking up and uh, and there is a risk for China of overreaching on their reaction for Canada creating a sympathy for Canada and isolating themselves and I think they're they're becoming aware of that that being said the way out for Canada on this is the United States the Trump administration is negotiating this new trade uh, arrangement with uh, China they have put us in this position we should be saying to the Americans listen you need to be helpful and uh, find and be helpful in finding a solution and moving everyone away from this strict issue to the what the real issues are on the trade side and uh, and, right. and working our way out of this.
0: Uh, Bob Fife, you met with the Chinese ambassador when he held that meeting on Friday. Um What do you make of the escalating and unapologetic threats from the Chinese government about how Canada is
10: responding to all this? Well, look, welcome to China under President Xi. This is how they operate. They play hardball. They see themselves as the major military and economic power, which they are. But having said that, I do think the Canadian government is at fault here as well. If you think about the fact that the prime minister knew in late November that there was an arrest warrant out for uh, Miss Ming, the daughter of the Huawei founder, and she was arrested on December the 1st. China was not informed until after that became public knowledge. There was no game plan by this government to figure out a way to deal with China before it exploded into a huge public relations disaster.
3: And the Chinese strategy now is pretty clear, I think, to continue escalating, to continue the pressure on Canada because this is perhaps their only chance to do so. They know that if we extradite Madame Mung to the United States, they, lo- they lose their leverage. They can't push the Americans around like they can push us around or try. Uh, furthermore, the Americans can damage their economy severely, which they can't. So they have got to stop this here and get her released here, one way or the other. That's their objective, and that's why they're continuing with this over-the-top rhetoric.
0: Well, okay, Chanda, but... Does Canada look weak by saying very little here? We're working with allies. What is Canada? Does Prime Minister Trudeau have to call President Xi? Show some strength in the wake of all this. I think
2: the, the first and biggest thing that Canada has to do is make sure that the American case against Ms. Meng is watertight and demand the papers sooner than later. The Americans still have not sent the package supporting this extradition request to Canada. That's a huge problem. We are banking everything. We're betting the wad on the fact that this is a treaty we're obliged to follow. There's a law here to follow. There are legitimate charges coming forward from the U.S. We haven't seen evidence of those legitimate charges yet. And I think Canada... Really needs to be pressing the U.S. to act now, act quickly, and get this thing done very
3: soon. In fact, isn't it the president of the United States who should be phoning Xi, not our prime minister?
10: Yes, and this is He's I, the one I, who's uh, led the That is, may not this help, Greg. That may not help. This, having is, this, him do that. this is
2: actually a question I posed the Chinese ambassador last week: Was why are you lodging and firing all your volleys at Canada and not the U.S., which is the country that's alleging the crimes right. against? Huawei's executive. And he didn't have a good answer. He said, oh, well, we've lodged our objections with both. But when I asked an official on the side, why are you so angry at Canada? Why are you arresting Canadians? He said, Mung's in Canada. Mung's here, not in the U.S. And and it
0: goes back to Craig's answer. They can do it with less consequence. Let me bring back in Jean Charest. Whatever happens in the future, the damage, sir, may be done now. What does it do for Canada now? Can Canada now ask Huawei to be part of our next generation uh, wireless 5G? Or is that done now? Is there, da- is there enough damage on the free trade deal with China? Maybe that's done now, as uh, Ambassador McCallum has been saying. Yep. Is there damage, Mr. Shere? Well,
6: there is damage, a lot of damage. And I think the, the relationship is going to go into a deep freeze for a, a while. Uh, one word about uh, the China's reaction. I was in Europe uh, last week on business, taking a flight on Monday. And I couldn't help but notice that the BBC was giving wide coverage to the decision of the Chinese government to impose the death penalty. So were the French networks. So was CNN. Uh, And so uh, I I think there is a real danger for China Hmm. in this, in this very sensitive time. Of, of really overreaching. And uh, and this is, you know, going out to the rest of the world uh, about what, how they're reacting, and it's not wearing well on them. And, and in regards to Canada, though, in our relationship with China, we're going to go into
10: a deep freeze for a long period of time. You know, uh, Christopher Eland, the Foreign Affairs Minister, Bill Marnot, our Finance Minister, will be in Davos next week, yes. this later this week, and they are going to be making the point that Chinese corporate executives, look, when you get into a dispute in a Western country, You can't go crying to your government so that they arrest people and hold them as bargaining chips. And that has to be the message consistently over not only by Canada but our allies. There was an interesting
6: story on how Huawei's
10: presence is developing. Europe
6: was much more open to Huawei than the Americans were. They were on the other opposite uh, of the spectrum, refusing to get them in. Canada sort of in between. But this isn't a good story for Huawei either. I mean it's playing very badly for them and I, it's not going to be a good outcome for them either. So I don't think the Chinese, both the, the Chinese and the Canadian American side, have no interest in maintaining this situation. There's rather a much bigger interest on all sides to try to find some honorable way out.
0: Just keep an eye on that file. This has the potential to escalate. But I want to quickly turn to Quebec. The Liberal Caucus met in Sherbrooke, Quebec, and guess who was one of the key uh, guests there? The Quebec Premier, Francois Legault. And he made a series of demands for money, for lower immigration rates and more money, all of which the Prime Minister kind of said, Maybe so. Jean Charest, does does Premier Legault know he's the kingmaker in this upcoming federal election and everyone's going to have to pay the piper?
6: Here's where things stand as we are, you know, talking about the upcoming campaign, federal campaign. The route to victory for the federal Liberals is winning the 15 NDP seats in Quebec because they'll lose some in the West, some in Ontario, some in the Atlantic. And so, yes, they're going to pay a lot of attention to Quebec, the issues and how to manage their relationship with this new CAC government of Mr. DeGoux. And yes, the answer is Mr. DeGoux is going to use the maximum leverage he has to extract as much as he can in that short period of time. And fighting with Ottawa has always been a paying proposition and, and in the And we
2: already see that he's put out, you know, this whole idea of uh, Quebec taking over, filing, taking care of all the income tax in Quebec, yes. federal and provincial. Yeah. And Andrew Scheer, the Conservative, is already playing footsie with him on that. Yeah, what about he's it? A- already said, oh, we'll do that. Trudeau has yet to say that. It, there's no question the path to um, power lies through Quebec for the Liberals. Also, the Conservatives need... Well, we'll look at, look at it uh, on
10: immigration. He wants to reduce immigration. Yeah. Uh, Dominic LeBlanc, the intergovernmental affairs minister, says we know immigration is really important, uh, and it is because the yeah. Quebec economy is growing, but we'll work with them to reduce right. immigration. And,
3: and Dominic LeBlanc at one point said he was disappointed at this idea, and the prime minister was unhappy about the idea of cutting immigration. It's against everything we all thought That was before. then, not now. That was then. Now he's <laughs> saying, yeah, maybe and yeah, maybe it's a good idea. We'll uh, cooperate with you. All right, I got to leave it there.
0: Thanks to all of you. Jean Charest, thank you for being our special guest today. Always a fascinating file in Quebec. No, I I didn't take it
9: personal at all. Uh, I am concerned with divisive politics. I am concerned with politics that, that divide communities, that pit one against another.
0: So there's the NDP leader, Jagmeet Singh, rightly condemning the racially divisive campaign of the former Liberal candidate in the Burnaby South by-election, uh, which may make his path to victory a little easier. Meanwhile, that former candidate, Karen Wang, is causing the Liberals a fair number of problems. She resigned after urging Chinese Canadians to vote for her because she's... Chinese and not to vote for Singh because she said he's of Indian descent. And then she tried to unresign, but the Liberals said, no, thank you. The door is closed. Meantime, after a cabinet shuffle that led to what is widely seen as the demotion of the former Justice Minister, Jody Wilson-Raybould, the Liberal caucus met in Sherbrooke, Quebec. It may have revealed as many challenges as opportunities. To dig into all that, let's bring back the scrum. Tanya McCharles and Bob Pfeiffer still here. So is Craig Oliver and our special guest for this round is the CEO of Nanos Research, Nick Nanos. All right, Nick, we'll start with you. Um, Does the resignation of Karen Wang as the Liberal candidate in Burnaby South really clear a path for NDP leader Jagmeet Singh to kind of uh, reboot his campaign?
4: Cha-ching! Christmas has come a little late, but it's finally arrived for Jagmeet Singh. He's gotten his first political break. The weird thing about this political story is that the Conservatives claim to have rejected her. So it's kind of like... Liberals are running someone who was rejected by the conservatives. What's the process for vetting, but it's can only be good for Jagmeet Singh because uh it allows some of those progressive voters at least to get behind the New Democrats.
3: I've been told however that the Liberals do plan to run a candidate in that riding now, uh and it's someone they wanted before her, but they couldn't swing it. Uh they they suggest it's a very strong candidate who uh they think uh, can probably damage Singh and he, he's going to have a bigger problem now than he thought he was because uh, it won't be just be him against a Tory.
2: Right, but I, but I do think that the whole dispute may have hurt the liberal vote among exactly. the Chinese ethnic community in Vancouver because, like it or not, mm-hmm. uh, she did appeal to a, com- a certain community there, and like it or not, all parties play uh, ethnic politics f- to a certain extent, and um, I think could, the Liberals would acknowledge that, you know, there's a certain percentage of vote that will be sympathetic to Wang's position in this.
0: Yeah, and, and Bob, for Jagmeet Singh, and he was on this program last week in that interview, it didn't go that well for him. <laughs> to say uh, the least. <laughs> yeah, well, does he get a chance now? If Does the path to winning Burnaby South become less of an existential crisis for this guy?
10: You can never count yourself out in any kind of election, whether it's election or a Mm by-election. He's got to give everything on this. And I've always kind of felt that he was going to win this because the NDP has poured whatever resources they have had into that Mm by-election, hoping that he can win this thing. They know it's a do-or-die situation for them, and I think he probably will win. But he was blessed, certainly, by the the Wang's uh, comments Mm -hmm. that were racially... um, Certainly were... uh, appeared to be racial, and uh, now that she's she's out of the race, I think it's, it's certainly going to benefit him.
3: To look, uh, appeared to be racial, Bob, yes. I mean, look what she was saying. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what I stand for. It doesn't matter what the Liberal government and Trudeau stand for. All that matters is, this is a 40% Chinese writing, I'm Chinese, and he isn't. But this was <laughs> a politics of race division, yeah. and we know where that yeah. leads, intolerance. Oh, the
4: Liberals look bad. Let's face yeah. it, they're the government and they're progressive fail on both of those counts in this by-election. Okay,
3: for Singh, though,
0: I mean, I think it was probably a good week, but Tonda, the optics of mortgaging the Jack Layton building to Mm -hmm. pay for their campaign, which they had to do... What does that say? I mean, what does that tell you about the guy's trying to rebuild the party, but they, a terrib- they're, they're mortgaging the legacy it's of a Jack ter-
2: Lee? It's a terrible symbol for them. I mean, they have used that building as collateral against yeah. other loans, but their problem was they basically are in the red. I mean, for all intents yeah. and purposes, they're broke, and they uh, need a big war chest going into this year. They've got 10 months, right? And the last time they were heading into an election in 2015... They had 18 million dollars raised that year. They've got nowhere close. So I think it shows they're in big problem. They're in big trouble.
3: Our friend Jack reached out from the grave to save them, in yet another election, they cashed in on him. They mortgaged his reputation. It's all kind of sad. Uh, Jody
0: Wilson-Raybould uh, was the first Indigenous justice minister. Nick. Uh, in the cabinet shuffle, she was, I think to a lot of our surprise, she, was, yep. she became the Veterans Affairs Minister. No disrespect to the veterans, but in politics, that is seen as a demotion. Then she wrote a letter. She said no comment and then proceeded to write 2,000 words of commentary. Uh, does this hurt Justin Trudeau in what he often says is his most important file, Indigenous Affairs?
4: Well, I think for a lot of people, this is a big head stretcher. As Justice Minister, there were no major gaps and now they've shuffled her to kind of a junior position. So I think the the question is is there something that we don't know about that makes sense of this because on the surface this does not make sense whatsoever to And you to know the, the
10: whispering campaign against her that she was she didn't treat staff well, that she was a one woman show, uh it, you know it, it they would never say that about a man in fact
2: fact could be said about many male ministers over the years that's not a firing offense but just to the point about whether there were any big gaps there was an early misstep over the fundraiser uh, fundraiser as a minister but Frankly, that was a problem of the party as well. The party sort of put her in that position and has tried to clean up its act in terms of ministerial fundraisers. However, I think there are a lot of people in this town really wondering what's really at the heart of uh, Wilson Rabel's move. Add to that, it's, it's seen as a demotion. Pulling
3: Jane Philpot out of Indigenous yeah. services where everybody, especially yeah. First Nations and, people, yeah, but, but, were hugely impressed, sh- put a real dent in Trudeau's Claims about wanting reconciliation. She's run
10: afoul of the prime minister and Jerry Butts in mm-hmm. the prime minister's office, and we do not have a proper explanation for what that what happened. And certainly it can't be because she was a one-woman show, because men do this all the time, yeah. and that never happens. We
2: could say O'Regan did, going getting going right. to Veterans Affairs. Well, he or, stumbles to, upwards, this guy, exactly. because he's a friend of Trudeau's. Yeah, he did not. His performance was terrible in the past few months. He did not get demoted.
0: Okay, uh, Maxime Bernier was on the program uh, just before the break earlier and look he has uh, he says he's a different kind of politician right yes we don't disagree with him that's right okay so he will do nothing about climate change he's tweeting openly about what some people call conspiracy theories about global governance and the destruction of canada (laughs) but he's also got an economic agenda nick i'll start with you is he the people's party which will run three candidates in the series of by-elections Is he a threat to Andrew Scheer? Do we take him seriously, or is he now an extremist? Well,
4: he's a massive communications and media threat to him because he will be a disruptor. Andrew Scheer is going to have to look over his right shoulder, his far right shoulder, (laughs) and look at uh, Maxime Bernier. But it doesn't look like Canadians are rallying around this banner and creating a party from scratch... Sorry, that's a very steep undertaking. So it's going to be very difficult for him, but he will be a factor.
3: We should all be yeah. watching the upcoming York Simcoe by-election. I know we will because he's running a candidate there. That's a big conservative riding has been for years. Right. We'll get a good idea yeah. of whether he has any voting. I don't strength think he's
10: going to uh, Frankly, I don't think he's going to win any seats, but he's yeah. going to take votes away. We'll I'm not yeah. even sure
2: he'll win his own seat because the conservatives have smartly put up a really good municipal former mayor there against Max himself and they're plumbing in the ranks of the Coalition Avenir Quebec, the CAQ, for other candidates in the next federal election. So I think that sheer, uh, you know, he, he, you're right, he's looking over his shoulder. All right,
0: got to leave it there. Nick it's great to see you as our special guest. And, of course, Bob, Tonda, and Craig, nice to see all of you. See, even on a cold day, we warm it up with politics. That's all we've got for you today. We will be back here, though, in seven short days. Thanks for watching.